MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome back to more to it. The show that takes a deep dive into the biggest stories in sports, entertainment, and culture. Start with headline news and then journey to deeper conversations. Always finding those life lessons that are presented in every single story. I'm your host, Marcel Swally. That dude out here flexing on him right now, hitting that Lolo, feeling real good. I'm going to tell y'all why, man. Got a lot of love out here in these streets with a K for this book right here. That's going to be for you. You know who you are. You are a Wiley's World member. But for those who are guessing that 100 KKK, the date and time, exact day and time, we go over 100K. That's for you. Oh, you get this jersey. Somebody said they want this jersey. Well, somebody going to get this jersey. Hook you up with this jersey. Damn, look how big them numbers are. (laughs) Boy, these are iron on, sewed on, but boy, they on there. Let's get into this show. You know how we started off every day. What's up with that dude? Well, I'm going to start off with a modern family explanation. Yes, that's what happened with us in this household yesterday. My little itty bitty, the most itty of the bitties, right? My three-year-old was talking to her sister who's 24 years old. Now, kids are smart, and they're not so socialized that they will tell you 100 what they really feel. So she's looking at her, and she's like, that's my daddy talking about me. And then my oldest said, yeah, that's my daddy too. And she's like, yeah, because I have two sisters, you and Araya. Yeah. And then all was good. She's still processed. You could tell she like, huh, I don't see you here all the time, but you my sister. All right. Okay. You way, way older. You look like mama more than you look like me, but okay. You my sister. And then Maraca got a call, FaceTime from her sister on the other side of the family, the modern family, right? So her mother's daughter, which is obviously from a different father. <laughs> so then he picks up the phone, little Chloe on the phone, and my daughter, my itty bitty's like, 
Oh, who's that? And she said, oh, that's my sister. She said, that's not your sister. That's your friend because <laughs> she ain't trying to hear or break down that construction. And instead of breaking it down, my oldest daughter, she, you know what she said? Yeah, that's just my friend. She's like, I ain't got time for all this and try to break this down. Step this and step mama that and step daddy that. So that was hilarious to see. And we got some explanations <laughs> going forward that we must have. All right. Other than that, um, you know, people have been putting this title on me and it's something that I knew from my old ESPN days of being an ombudsman. You guys know what that is? Uh, somebody who uh, internally kind of keeps it real about where they are and what they're up to. Yeah. You know what I mean? The critic of the critics, as they will say. People like that lane, what I'm doing on top of everything else. But they said that lane right there is unique to this experience. So. You know, I am interested in covering sports media like they cover sports. Ooh, and if they doing the right thing, then this is going to feel good. If they doing the wrong thing, this might not feel as good if you know what I'm saying. So don't call me that dude. Call me that decoder, right? I'm going to decode all the stuff that I see out there because I find it very intriguing how they're covering people. And, you know, they're talking about sports which is the meritocracy, ultimate meritocracy, right? It's our gathering spot. Like our really our last bit congregation is not even the church anymore. Or if it is the church, so many denominations, we all ain't together anyway. So it's not so much how church is or certainly was, it's where sports are right now. And we need to make sure we police the police because them suckers out there set tripping, as I like to say growing up. All right, let's think about this situation right here in Philadelphia where maybe Joel Embiid is set tripping because he wants a title, whether it's with the 76ers or another team. So Joel Embiid might be done trusting the process in Philly if the 76ers fail to play for a championship in their near future. Embiid said, I just want to win the championship. <laughs> Whatever it takes. <laughs> I got a good Embiid. It ain't great, but it ain't bad. Uh, he said this in the interview with Maverick Carter, who always got his legs crossed. Every time I see Maverick Carter, that's that success look. Like, yeah, all right, I ain't phased. Whatever, bra my boy. I'm doing my thizzle. What it do? So they had an uh, interview at the Uninterrupted Sports Film Festival. Damn, Uninterrupted got it going on. Good job, LeBron. He said, quote, I don't know where that's going to be whether that's in Philly or anywhere else. I just want to have a chance to accomplish that. <laughs> I want to see what it feels like to win that first one. <laughs> and then you can think about the next one. It's not easy, but it takes more than one or two, three guys. You got to have good people around you. And myself, every single day, I work hard to be at that level so I can make it happen. So every single day, I'm working towards that. <laughs> Ah, he said he loves the challenge, man, of hearing other players mentioned for MVP and proving himself. That's real. I understand the business is fun. At the end of the day, I think of it like this. I'm extremely blessed. <laughs> and B's not been asked or he hasn't asked or requested a trade from Philadelphia, right? He's not looking to go anywhere and they're not looking to trade him. Huh? He has three more years on this deal plus a player option on a max contract. And Sam Amick, y'all know him from The Athletic, reported in response to this quote that asked for the question of whether MB might be trying to leave Philly anytime soon. 
high-ranking, high-ranking Sixers source told Athletic that Embiid or his representatives have not shared any such message with the team. In fact, the organization's belief remains that Embiid would love to go the way of Dirk or Kobe and stay with one team for his entire career. Okay, all right, let me grab my phone right now because I think, yeah, it is. That's Damian Lillard on line one. <laughs> Don't we seem like we going down that same path? We going down with Dame right now with Joel Embiid? No one knows the future and success of this team. Will they ever win a championship? But if you had to put your life on it, you're not betting that they will. I mean, they seem stuck in second round purgatory in terms of their ceiling. So Dame Dollar on line one, because we see how that goes. What happens? It's hard enough to make yourself great, like Dame Dollar, like Joel Embiid. And then you're going to try to roll the dice and hope you got the necessary team construction and great assets to win a championship. When I remind you that if all things are equal, everyone has a 3% chance of winning a championship. And all things ain't equal, right? So maybe Embiid and the Sixers are a little better than the average, right? Well, yeah, five, six, seven percent chance you're going to roll the dice on your career for a six percent chance. Think about this. So he's not pressed right now as he shouldn't be. But fans going to keep pressing him. Yep. And they're going to be at his neck. Remember Dame Dollar, how he used to sound, whether it was on the court, how he balled off the court in his interviews or in the studio on his songs like loyal to the fullest. Right now, how long will it take before all that pressure? from them fans pressing on him, will he cave? He ain't Dirk. He ain't Kobe. And I ain't talking about the talent. I'm talking about Kobe won five chips in L.A., won three pretty early in his career to the point he could relax. He got the equity. All right, did for y'all. Even Dirk. Remember when Dirk had that first-round exit? Everybody's like, dog, what the? You had the number one seed. What you? Okay, they were at his neck. Then he won that championship underdog style against LeBron. And then all of a sudden, everything changed, right? But they were at his neck. If he didn't win that championship, he'd just go out there and play up to their standard. They win. Then what happens, right? So that's the point. How long will MB be in that position? Because Kobe got him early. Dirk got him mid to late. But still, they were at his neck. What about MB? 29, still in your prime. But how long are you going to be there before all of a sudden that Dame Dollar line, it become a three-way where he calling me and he calling UMB because it's time to get up out of there. So I just saw a lot of the stars in this same predicament in every sport get eaten alive by that public pressure that y'all put on them as fans. So is MB putting the Sixers on notice is a question we're going to talk about in them comments. Or is this already a foregone conclusion that one day, you know how it goes, like Dame Dollar. I'm going to leave. I'm going to get up out of here. Or do you think the Sixers front office should be worked? It doesn't seem like they are just yet. Feel that love? Nah, nah, no, no. Right here, man. Y'all going to get some of that love. And you know Friday Swagger Way. We got the book, Right Chia. Right Chia. And then we got these books and cards that go out to anybody who can guess the exact day and time. We hit 100K. Okay, And this. Man, I am a good guy giving away this because I don't think I got another one. But I got this white joint, too, just like this. Cocaine is cocaina. I'm going to get that one away, too, as well when we get into the season. All right, let's talk about my favorite position because it was the position I played growing up. It was the position that got me started. Like, hammer. 
It got me started. Oh, I was a balling ass running back. Can't lie about that until I got big, fat, and full. All right, here we go. NFL stars furious at Matt Miller from ESPN for his trash anti-running back narrative. Let's talk through it. Over the past several years, running back position, we already know, radically undervalued across the NFL as teams opt not to give veteran running backs lucrative contracts. Instead, opting to use the franchise tag, lock them in, and to sign and draft younger, cheaper players, right? That's how the game goes now, especially at that position. Strategy that ESPN NFL draft analyst Matt Miller openly and explicitly, like an NWA album, endorsed as star running backs Josh Jacobs and Saquon Barkley failed to reach long-term deals with their teams, and he took a lot of heat for his stance from some star players. All right, so here's what Matt Miller said. Been saying it for years. Draft the running back number one. Play the running back number two. If he's good, three franchise tag the running back one time, one time, and then draft a running back. Rinse and repeat. So Derrick Henry, Austin Eckler, Jonathan Taylor all put him on blast on Twitter. Austin Eckler tweeted, this is the kind of trash that has artificially devalued one of the most important positions in the game. Everyone knows it's tough to win without a top running back, and yet they act like we are discardable widgets. <laughs> Smart dude. I support any running back doing whatever it takes to get his back. Derrick Henry, King Henry said, at this point, just take the running back position out the game then. The ones that want to be great and work as hard as they can to give their all to an organization just seems like it don't even matter. I'm with every running back that's fighting to get what they deserve. And then here's Jonathan Taylor mocking Miller. He said, if you're good enough, they'll find you. If you work hard enough, you'll succeed. If you succeed, you boost the organization. And then, doesn't matter, you're a running back. (laughs) Man, okay, so... All this is getting lost. Pollard did sign his tag. Like, look, I was a backup for all these years to Ezekiel Elliott, and now he gone? Oh, I'm going to sign my tag. So Pollard, even though he's a beast, Tony is not in this conversation. Dalvin Cook is still unemployed right now, despite him having another productive year last year. Ezekiel Elliott, obviously not in Dallas right now, signed a long-term deal, 27 years young, And that big fat deal is the reason why they had to kick him out of Dallas. Been there before as well. So now, what is going to happen to this position? Okay. Y'all know me, or y'all getting to know me. I am the truth teller. And that's what I am always intending to do. Despite if it makes me look bad, despite if it's not what everyone thinks I should say, despite if it doesn't represent me well, the truth is my loyalty. Okay, so I hate to agree, but facts over feelings right now. (laughs) Man, I hate to agree with devaluing the position, but the position needs to be devalued. Okay, we are no longer playing Ivy League 1800. We started football in college. We're not playing that. We're not doing student body right, student body left. We are no longer doing three yards in the cloud of dust. We are not going, hey, picture it over here. Look, oh my God, look at him run. We're not doing that anymore. You want to know why? Because we've evolved and the game has evolved as well. And sorry, running backs, you guys are becoming extinct for a reason. Because running the football is the path the most resistance. Ah, I played running back. You got that rock in your hand? 
Woo! Talking about being a fine girl at the club. Everybody on your head, right? And you're like, God dang. And you got to run, typically, between the tackles where the 300-pounders live, right? Where there's seven guys in the box, eight, nine guys in the box, or the path of least resistance. Let's just have a quarterback and a wide receiver duel, and let's throw that ball to him. Who is guarding him? When he's dripping wet, he's 182 pounds. Okay, so one move, Justin Jefferson, Mr. 99. Here we go, touchdown six. Okay, now, it's not just that layer. It's also the layer that the rules support, that that now, the passing game, is the path of least resistance. Why? Because you can't even touch them. You can't even touch them, certainly after five yards. They're defenseless. You better not hit them, etc. The rules are even supporting and accelerating this decline and devaluing of the running back position. And it is what it is. And it should be that way. Let me tell you why. Running the football is exactly like in boxing what a jab is. It's a setup punch now, right? Because the knockout blow is going to come from that passing game. All right? So you can think, oh, Marcellus, you hating, you hating. Okay. Uh, let's go to the top, the top, not even the top running back, just the top yards per carry. Every time I get that rock, what's going to be my yards per carry? 6.1. Let's go to yards per catch, top dog, you know, not the top receiver, just yards per catch, 20. Wait a minute, 3X? That part. So in football terms, if you're coaching, you're almost saying, we get three times the returns, or it may be three times as easy to just throw the ball. Look at New England. New England, when they didn't even have the running game, you know what they would do? They would have the short passing game, which was the, long, the running game. They were like, all right, just right here. Tom Brady. Tom Brady. That is just, it's effective. Now, the ego gets hurt when somebody running the ball down your throat because they're controlling the pace. They're methodically beating you. They're killing you with a depth of a thousand paper cuts. Four yards, four yards, six yards, three yards. And you know all of that took three minutes off the clock. You're like, damn, will they hurry up? If they gonna score, score, let's go. <laughs> Meanwhile, touchdown. It's just easier. It's just simpler. That's what's happening to the running backs. They've lost their knockout power because of the evolution of the sport. Now they've been now relegated to being the jab. Set them up with the running game, right? Keep them honest with the running game, correct? But don't go out there and try and win a shootout with the running game. Think about it. I don't give a damn how much you love running backs like me. I love running backs. I used to be a running back. I was in college as a running back. Love the position. But it is what it is, dog. Do you know <laughs> how hard it would be to win a shootout trying to run the football against a team that's got, oh, wake me up when they score. Oh, they scored? Okay, him on. All right, I'll be right back. All right, Ooh, wake me up when they score. <laughs> it's like that. Man, it's like a machine versus some hands. And them hands got to evolve. So whose side are you on? You on Miller or are you on the running back side? I hate to say it, but the truth calls me and it sets me free. Should running backs be paid more? Y'all thinking that? What should they do to get paid more? I know what they should do. Play receiver. <laughs> like the running backs, do you have a problem with NFL analysts in the media? 
perpetrating or perpetuating a narrative. That's what I should say like this. I don't think it's a narrative. I think it's just real. They like, no, it is what it is. That shit hurt playing running back. That's why they be getting tapped out and hurt. That's why so many carries and they just ain't got it no more. I wish you the best and I hope that it works out for you. But doesn't mean you deserve it if you ain't out there getting it. Love for you guys. You know why, because y'all supporting your boy. So let me hook you back up with some Friday swag away. Wop, wop. Got that. Ooh, Magic Johnson said something about me. Yeah, I like my sellers. All right, here we go. We got the contest right here. That's me not getting a sack, but running around on the football field. Hook you up with some playing cards, or I can hook you up with this straight out of Jersey. Y'all know what it is, but let's get into this story, because y'all don't know what this is. Dan Levitar, Stephen A. Smith's problem is not actually with me. It's what, what Jamel Hill said. Man, talking about knowing everybody in this one. It's going to be fun. It's no secret. All right. Levitard, Stephen A. Smith, they got their differences. They do it respectfully, but they got their differences. You can smell it. You can hear it. You can tell. So Levitard caused chaos in the sports media world earlier this year. Remember when we covered that story when he bluntly told Stephen A. Smith he hates what first take host him and Skip Bayless have done the sports television. After appearing stunned by the criticism, we know Stephen A. fired back. Asked the Levitar, what about you? Remember that? That was hilarious. So they remain friendly. They still get some love going on. Um, but at the same time, it ain't over. They keep talking at each other, right? So he responded to this Smith quote from last week. This is what Stephen A. was talking about. What his ass been doing? Accounting? Didn't he have highly questionable? Was our daddy on the show with us? That was you. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about your comfort. You was on the show just looking at your father saying hi and giving him a hug and kiss. You were debating. That's what you were doing. It amazes me how somebody like a Dan Levitar will sit up there and lament the state of affairs in the industry you're participating in. You're sitting on the air. I don't know how long ago it was with Jamel Hill talking about it's a great, great thing you left. Really? Okay. Probably is. So you can smell the subtle shots that's in there, if not the direct shots that are in there, right? So Dan laughed off the quote um, as saying that basically, Stephen A., you must not watch my show because it wasn't a debate show. He's like, Stephen A. Smith doesn't have time. He's too busy talking all over the rest of the network to watch any of what's happening on shows elsewhere on the network. Basically, uh, you must have took a glimpse of the show and didn't really watch it or dive into it because it wasn't a debate show, and it really wasn't. It was like take, take, comedy, family. It was, it was like some bizarro world stuff, but it wasn't like, let's go out there and debate. So Levitar took issue with another quote that he didn't think was fair criticism. He's like, I got in trouble all the time because I was always saying at ESPN microphones while taking ESPN's money that ESPN should be covered the way it covers others. And it's a real blind spot at the network that it doesn't. Yes, that is facts. I used to sit there and like, damn, Levitar don't care about working where he working. <laughs> Levitar's going in on home team. Yes, he was. I remember that. But I understand why he would arrive at this particular viewpoint. That part about this that was to me in the shadows and more objectionable than some of the stuff we're talking about is his problem is not actually with me. It's with what Jamel Hill said on our platform. This is more complicated because I'm a much easier target for him to put a name on than going after the black female woo, that he also respects, that he doesn't want to start that back and forth when it's easier to just frame it under me.
when I didn't say the thing he objected to. Mm. Levitar believes that Smith took an issue with the phrase they wanted black faces. They didn't necessarily want black voices. And that was from Jamel Hill a couple years ago. All right. So there's a whole long quote about that. But Jamel Hill basically said that she took an L when she was hosting SportsCenter and her time at ESPN because uh, she was out there being very, very intentional about what she was talking about. And they were reacting and said that people didn't want to hear political talk or racial talk, etc. Right. So she ends up saying that exact quote. They wanted black faces. They didn't necessarily want black voices. And that's how it come off. It came off. Right. And so because of that, we wound up paying the price in quote for her. All right. So Levitar finally chimes in on this before I give y'all all that y'all need to button this up. He's like, look, I understand I'm getting bothered by that insult, but your problem isn't with me. You should take that up with her publicly if the objection is I don't like being told that I'm somebody who's kept by the company. Woo. Even as you write in your book that you wake up every day thinking of ways to make money for the company and you're the one they throw out there when Dana White gets in trouble and they got all sorts of conflict of interest and they need somebody to get a voice to something and you talk about how you're friends with Dana White. Wow, you're cover. Your objection is not actually with me, and I would love to discuss this with him in a form that wasn't, let's see who can win an argument. Let's debate. Let's just talk like human beings. Okay. Now, everybody's dancing around this, and not really dancing like, I'm scared. Dancing like, yo, respect, but do you want to go here, right? So, between Levitard and Stephen A. and Jamel's Hill's comment, we are now starting to form this narrative that we already had, or at least I've seen out there, and I've heard, that Stephen A gets triggered. Everyone has their triggers, but his trigger is when you start looking and peeking and want to see his black card. Remember that? Remember T.O. coming on the show? Now T.O. got them all messed up, all ruffled up because of what happened. And a lot of the contention that we perceive from Stephen A and Max Kellerman really hit its apex in that moment. From there, it just felt different. I don't know if it was different, but it sure looked different, correct? So, that black car wonder, I don't know Stephen A deeply like that. I know he's from Queens. Outside of that, and he played basketball growing up. That's it. <laughs> Everything else is what he does now. So, I don't know why that happened, because I know with Max, the black card, all of a sudden, that became an issue, because I've worked with Max, as y'all know. You work with Max, and if Max is really Max, Free Max, like the dude I know, Max, oh, he gonna know what the culture knows. He gonna know whatever that's gonna make people say, oh, we gonna invite him. Yeah, he coming to the cookout, <laughs> for real. And then if you black with him, they gonna look at you like, oh, Max is harder than you. Max is realer than you. Whatever you gonna say that Max is more down than you. That happens. It happened to me. And I'm from L.A. Max was from Watts. He made that up, but that was funny. And I'm from Compton, for real. So it was like, oh, man, Max from Watts and you from Compton. And we used to have this little fun with it. But it ain't always funny if that's your trigger. And like Stephen A. has shown before with the T.O. comments and now potentially these Jamel Hill comments, he don't play that. Homie, don't play that. Now, her point is interesting because, and I know Jamel, obviously, and we disagree a whole lot, of, <laughs> a 
a whole lot. I'm, I'm surprised we still really know homies like that because we be disagreeing publicly too. But here's the thing. She has a point of saying this. Like, I'm on campus, ESPN campus. I'm the activist. I'm putting it out there. I'm letting you know I'm walking that walk and talking that talk. And she, in that comment, without saying his name, but now we start narrowing it down. Who are you talking about? Talking about Damian Woody? Like, <laughs> stop playing. You know what you're talking about. Black voices um, for cover, et cetera. And it's like that dynamic on campus. Y'all know it. We all been to college, right? Or at least some campus form. Whereas like the ones who are sitting there, they're the activists, the hunger strikers, right? The ones who are out there protesting. And then you got some people in the same predicament, let's say black people in this one, and they just chilling. <laughs> I'm a star athlete. I'm going to class. Oh, oh, you got issues with this campus? Oh, really? Well, you, you should be with me or you should be me, right? And it's that kind of situation. So when you see Levitar sitting there like, hey, bro, do not displace that aggression. Do not bring that smoke to me or bring the smoke to me. Let's talk through it. But while we talking through it, let's talk about all of it. And that includes other people. And I'm like, damn, if this come to a head, it's going to be something. Now, I just know all of these situations for what they are. I know the dynamic Stephen A to Max. I know if you bring on Max Kellerman to your show and you're like, you know what? I'm looking forward to working with you because we come from different worlds and you know, I would love for you to give me the white male perspective. Max might look back at you and be like, what's that? <laughs> I'm telling y'all, it's a whole different animal over there. It's hilarious. Now, and that's not a problem in itself, except if somebody like T.O., Mr. T.O., pom-pom himself, come on there and check you like that, then you got real problems. I don't want any problems with any of y'all, but you know, truth, wow, that truth gonna set me free. But then Skip sits there, all that time not getting into this with Stephen A, right? Isn't that interesting? Then Stephen A gets matched, and all of a sudden, kaboom, we got some problems. How come that didn't work out? Some of these undertones are a part of that. So get triggered by T.O., and all of a sudden, Dan is like, nah, dog, Jamel calling you out, and you ain't said nothing in two years? Woo! And now you're going to be over here passive-aggressive or displace your aggression at me? We got to talk. Not that we have problems. We got to talk. So... I'm asking y'all, y'all think this is personal, this beef is real, or you think it's just deflection and using Jamil Hill in an argument? Hey, hey, be careful how y'all respond to this, and should Stephen A talk to Debatard about this, and they should iron out the issues. That's how I like to do it, just talk through it, man, ain't nobody scared of nobody. But at the same time, people do have brands to protect, so who knows if we ever make this happen. Love for you guys, man. So I always hook you up with that Friday swag away to Wally's World members on YouTube. Eligible to win this, but everybody's eligible to win. When we going over 100K? When we going over, huh? So you get me trying to get a sack, not getting it in this one. But it does say on the back, makes dynamic pass plays uh, and against the run. So we'll see. Um, and we got this jersey right here. What's up, boy? How you feel? Should try this thing on and stretch it out a little bit right there. That could be yours. Just go to our community section and put in on the post exact date and time. We go over 100K. All right, right now is the time for me to funk up some comments and talk about what we talked about yesterday from your perspective, right? Because you know me. I don't like talking to y'all. I like talking with y'all. So this is your opportunity in the comment section. So let's talk about Jay Billis calls out Rand Paul. 
That's a funny name, Rampa. <laughs> Sound like the police at you, Rampa, Rampa. Anyone that is against the athletes making the money that they create for businesses either have no idea how it works, or they are frankly jackasses that like exploiting kids. Yeah, or there's another option too. They know how it works, and they're jackasses. And there's another level to it. Like we don't want them getting theirs. All right. So let's be honest. As long as coaches were making three or four million a year, that's cool. Rand Paul, it's not about race. I just don't like to see black kids getting paid, too. <laughs> it ain't about race. Just don't like black people getting paid. <laughs> Crazy. NFL versus Jim Trotter. As much as I love Jim Trotter as a journalist, I can't agree with his stance for the fact I've seen multiple firsthand interviews my family members have been through for an NFL Super Bowl champion team, but that's also a personal view. Hmm. Well, that whole NFL versus Jim Trotter thing is interesting because it just seems like they just weren't aligned and maybe they pandered, maybe they lied to him or maybe he came in hotter than they expected. But sometimes they say, yeah, come on in with, whoa, you bringing all that? That's too much. You know, one of those situations. Lamar Jackson, racism from Mike Martz. People who always look for racism will find it all the time, whether it's there or not. Woo! Say that Wileyism right there. Like anything, man, if you look for it, like, you know, you ain't got to look for racism. Just look through your girl's phone. You're going to find you a text. I don't care if it's to her brother. You're going to look and say, who this? <laughs> who ain't been there? Who this? Oh, that's Jack. Who Jack? That's my brother. Oh, I, I thought his name was Jonathan. <laughs> what the hell? Come on, man. So, look, in situations we were talking about yesterday with Lamar Jackson, it's kind of tough. You boxed in. Can you criticize him for real or not? Just because of what he's been through, obviously what the position's been through, obviously what he's been through, and they told him to switch positions after he won a damn Heisman, and then the year after the Heisman played even better. That's crazy, but we'll talk through it. I'm just mad how much he's flamed these guys <laughs> while at the same time praising the hell out of dudes like Zach Wilson and Sam Darnold. Yeah, that could be a lot of racial, and that also could be some bad analysis, including the one on Lamar Jackson, right? So if you're bad at it, you're just bad at it. You ain't just bad on Lamar or wrong on Lamar. You're wrong everywhere, black and white. My parents were born in 48 as well. They laugh at this stuff we call racism. You can criticize every quarterback except Lamar. Equality means he can be criticized. Well, you think like me. Like, look, dog, y'all ain't got to protect me. I don't give a damn what you think. I'm underserved, under growing up. Yeah, no, I'm good. I'm good. Mama wanted them food stamps. I just wanted to eat. <laughs> I don't know what we would do without the food stamps, though. But the whole point is that you know what's interesting about that whole conversation about Lamar Jackson because a lot of times it does turn into black and white. It gets really simplified, and you know they're like, "Well, he won a Heisman," and they wouldn't ask anybody else that won a Heisman to ever switch positions if they weren't black. Then you'd be like, oh, Tim Tebow, uh, line one. You'd be like, damn it. Um, but then you'd be like, oh, it was obvious Tim Tebow wasn't good. I was like, well, we are moving the conversation. I think in these situations, people get so emotionally involved that they move the conversation. Is it a black and white conversation or is it based on the merits and what you think of them at that position? Because if you say black and white, then Tim Tebow is a comp. But if you're not, if you're like, no, but he wasn't as good. Well, now it's not as racial. Y'all catching this? This is how they get caught, cats caught up so long, so strong, and going sideways. And, and I know people just eat up their time arguing something, got case after case. It's, I mean, right now, the top quarterbacks 
are all being paid. Like top 10, it's like number one is black, number three, four, five. Like, it's just like, it's, it's the Skittles right now. It's up and it's up. <laughs> so we come a long way at the position. Is it going to always be perfect, ever be perfect? No, because it's never been that way for the other side as well. So let's just not pick a side and just really talk through it. But I just thought it was interesting um, seeing all the responses that it just really got black and white almost. And some people were nuanced and hopefully they will gather more in the middle. All right, y'all, y'all know how we finish every show. We finish it with a Y-Lee-ism. Yeah, I love this one. Keep campaigning and one day you're going to get elected. <laughs> yeah, keep, keep on woofing, homie. You're going to get some. Or keep trying, keep going after it. One day you'll get it. Like keep campaigning and one day you'll get elected. Wherever you putting that energy, wherever you putting that effort, wherever you putting that mind, that attention, which is the invention, right? Attention is the invention. Oh, it's going to come to life. Oh, yeah. It's funny because I was growing up and I saw some very obvious choices made by people in my peer group. Some wanted to be the cool kid. Some wanted to be the gangster. Some wanted to be like the ladies man. Some wanted to be the class clown. And they all won. For real. Like, oh, you want to be a class clown? Oh, he funny. He disrupted in the class. Oh, he hilarious. Oh, you want to be the gangster? Oh, dog, you heard what he did? You, you know how much work he put in? You know what he did? Ooh, I can't even tell you, homie. And you're like, every, like, I'm not lying. I think in the 90 percentile, everyone who chose a lane that was intentional won in that lane. Problem was, since they chose that lane, right? It was a dead end. It was a cul-de-sac. You got to come back. You can't live your life being a class clown. <laughs> that ain't going to work. You got you to sit there, listen, study, not always disrupt, correct, etc. So it's crazy because people were on their campaign missions to get elected at what they wanted to be. And I did as well, which was my balancing act of being an academic and an athlete. Simple as that. It wasn't like difficult. It wasn't like, oh, my God, what should I do? I was like, I, I could do this and I could do that. I'm going to do both. And that's life. Right. So just remember that. When you're putting your energy out there, you're putting your efforts out there, your intentions, your attention, like, be careful, you know, keep campaigning. Then one day, you're going to get elected. That's actually a positive to me, not a negative. All right, y'all, that'll do it for more to it. Check the show notes for all the information on our topics today. Today! Want to keep the conversation going? Let's talk. Find me on all socials at Marcellus Wiley. More to is a production of Dan Patrick Productions, That Dude Entertainment and Workhouse Media. Show is executive produced by Dan Patrick, Marcel Swally, Paul Anderson, and Nick Pinella. Thanks for all the love, ratings, and subscriptions, and reviews, membership to Wally's World on YouTube. Keep it coming because there's more coming for more to it. Talk to y'all hella soon. MTV's official challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.